This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And today we're going to talk about food. I love talking about food. I love eating food, all my favorite things. If you're fasting, don't listen to this episode right this second. Like, <laughs> pause it, or we're going to make you really hungry.、Um, So, Judy, we, the reason why we want to talk about this, I think there's just so much food. Like, people think that they eat meat and it's like steaks only, and then they get a little stuck in what they can eat, and it's like steaks, bacon, eggs, and that's kind of it. Or we just get in a routine of eating the same things all the time. I'm guilty of that. But recently on Instagram, I was sharing the cheese wraps, the folio cheese wraps. Oh, right. And we were eating it with like leftover pork, and we just had it like a cold cheese wrap. And I got a bunch of DMs of people saying, like, why don't you heat them up? It makes like a crispy taco shell. And I was like, what? My mind was blown. <laughs> so now for the last week, we have been microwaving these folio cheese wraps, putting the leftover meat in it, and it's these crunchy taco shells. And it's amazing. The instructions are on the back of the package. We just. <laughs> Never real. I feel like you would have noticed the instructions on the back of the package.、Um, yes. But clearly, we did it and we've been missing out on this amazing thing. I don't know. It makes me just want to talk wait. about food. Go. So, when you microwave cheese, because、uh, so I've never bought that. I think we're so frugal. We're like, what? This is expensive. We'll make our own cheese wraps. But so, when you microwave cheese, though, it normally gets soft, but you're saying it gets crispy? Yeah. So, you have to microwave it. I made this mistake. It's like the cheese wraps you, we buy them at Costco. And you leave、sure. it on the parchment paper. So I don't know if that's also part of it.、Mm-hmm. And then you microwave it for like way longer than you think you would. It's 
a minute and a half for it to get crispy. You have to microwave it for like 90 seconds. So I know I've seen people too making like taco cheese shells in the oven where you have it on some kind of parchment paper and you put it in the oven for a while until it's really bubbly. So this is obviously the same concept, but these are, I'm cheap or I mean, I'm, I'm convenient. Like I want the convenience of it, not to do it myself, (laughs) the opposite of you. And, um, so it makes them actually crispy, but you have to leave it in there for like a really long time. So I don't, I don't know if it's this particular kind of cheese. We haven't tried it with other kinds. I know you can do it with like, I've seen people making taco shells before. Does it taste better cold? The, the folio wrap? No, way better. No, No, I'm way better warmed up. They're way better warmed up. And like, if you're putting warm meat into the cold taco shells, it kind of, and it's cheese, they kind of like fall apart pretty quickly and it's a mess. So we use them sometimes for leftovers, but it's not anything like revolutionary. This is probably a really bad thing that I've discovered this because now we're obsessed. Like we had this huge pork butt and we've been eating on it for like four days now when in reality I would have been sick of it after the second day, but these are so good. Now I'm just eating so much more (laughs) cheese. So obviously that's the problem, but it is, it's just, it's a game changer. Okay. I'm going to have to try it. I'm interested because we've, we've broken down cheese blocks and then put it in the oven, but then you don't get a lot for all that effort that you you know put on the oven. And, and so then it just, so we rarely ever do it because it takes forever to make those like Parmesan crisp type of cheese, I guess, crisp. And so we never do that, but I'll try that. Maybe I'll use that for the kids lunch. Well, I've seen people too, taking slices of cheese and putting it in the oven and then putting some like everything, but the bagel seasoning on top. And so then you almost have like your own, you know, flavored cheese crisps, or you're just making your own version of the cheese wisps, which I haven't, I've only seen them do that with like pre-made slices. But like you said, you could do it with the block that you shred yourself. And that's a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'll pay for it. (laughs) But it is interesting. I, I, I agree. Yeah. This has just been, it's been making me think though about like food stuff. Like I feel like we eat the same, like five meals all the time. And I, I made that YouTube video not too long ago, kind of outlining those meals. Um, but we, I go through cycles where I'm eating different foods and things. And so I just, I figured we could talk today about kind of all of our different foods that you eat. Like, I'm so curious too. I know you and I joke about you eating air fryer steaks constantly. Um, and you don't share, you're not like, you don't feel the need to share yeah, every don't. part of your life. Like I do with people, <laughs> which is great. Uh, it's probably better that way that you, uh, just live your life. But I just always get curious about what are some things that you personally eat? Like, what is your week of meals look like? If I was going to film you, what would that look like? Yeah, it looks very, mommy leftover meals. And that's probably a reason. So there's several reasons I don't share my meals. One is obviously we've talked about this in the past, but just because I come from an eating disorder, there's a lot of that comparison that I don't want people to say, Oh, if Judy looks like that, then I just need to eat like Judy and then I'll look like her. And I just don't think that's a fair way to compare. Um, so that's one, but then also like yesterday, for example, I think in one of our lunch boxes this week, I cut out all, I pulled out all the chicken meat in thighs, breasts, um, and then I put it in the kids' lunches. And so there's all this leftover fat. So you where know, did skin. you get the chicken from? Like you roasted a whole chicken or you bought a rotisserie chicken or where did you get your chicken from? So we went to the grocery store and they they were selling all the different, you know, behind the deli counter. Yeah. They basically were selling... I guess flavored chicken, there was, there was no fried or battered stuff on it, but uh, they were selling it and it was on sale. So I bought a bunch. And so it was breasts, 
thighs. I got that. And then um, our kids don't like a lot of the skin, especially if it's not fried. So I just pulled out the meat. And so yesterday for my lunch, I ate five or six leftover thighs and, you know, and so I ate around the meat and the skin and the cartilage. And so what kind of, can you imagine me sharing an image of that? And then I added a bunch of butter because it was, it was too lean for me. Yeah. And I don't know if I ate ate anything. Oh, and then I had a little bit of the, lately I've just been adding some water and then getting a little bit more protein. And so I used the Paleo Valley's, their bone broth protein, and I mixed it in water and I drank that to add a little bit more protein, but that was my meal. I mean, it's so like a poor man's carnivore diet. So, but that's how I ate, ate that meal. Um, but generally, I mean, I have like two meals, maybe a snack, and then the snack will usually be either beef jerky or some beef sticks or some cheese. And I do notice if I don't snack, I will lose a little bit of weight. But and then within a meal, I probably have like 50 grams of protein, at least that's what I shoot for. Obviously, that's I eat a lot more than that. If I'm eating chicken wings, for example, I mean, it's everything. It's ribeye. You're talking 50 per meal. So then it's like over 100 grams of protein per day for you. Yeah, I think it's honestly more because when I eat chicken wings, for example, I eat close to 10. And then I'll add some type of fat sometimes to that. I think 10 wings. I think it's like 100 grams. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. off the top But But I do think that's to your point earlier, I think it's important. And I've definitely through the conversations that you and I have had, I've learned a lot from you with understanding that comparison. So I even in my what I eat videos now, I don't share the exact portions that I'm eating. I don't share my macros anymore. I don't share my calories. Number one, I don't track those things really, but also I don't want to share my exact portions because people won't get the same result. Like if they copy exactly what I'm eating, they won't get those same results. I try to just share a lot of like meal ideas, spices, seasonings, different cooking techniques, like things that might make things interesting. Cause I do think there's a lot of people that and as we go through more of your meals, like there's a lot of people who eat like you do, where it's just really very, very simple. And sometimes mine looks like that too, but we've also gotten like I incorporate so much more variety than I really ever have. Like the longer I do this, the more variety that I incorporate into my diet um, or that I provide for myself. So it is very interesting, kind of like what stage are you at in your carnivore journey as to how much variety are you including is interesting to me. No, that's true. When I first started carnivore, I was really strict. So I would eat only beef. And then sometimes I would add eggs. Sometimes I would add sardines. And that was really it. I would always add a lot of fat because fat was always my friend in my way of eating, but maybe 70% fat in terms of total calories, maybe 75. But nowadays, I really eat anything that's meat. So one thing that's not fair when I talk about meals. So the last month or two, probably two months now, we've been under this mold remediation. And so I we we have to kind of just survive off whatever we can eat. So we've been eating a lot of beef patties outside at different fast food restaurants, or we'll go to a restaurant. We've been eating several times at a Texas Roadhouse, and I'll get the ribeye there. And I mean, I just get the ribeye with the butter. I keep forgetting to ask for the bacon and like the baked potato without the baked potato. I just realized as we're talking. Um, yeah, I just normally don't ask for sides or Kevin will take it. Maybe that's why. But for, for um, reference so too, what Judy's talking about is I made the video a real while ago, which makes people go crazy. It's so funny. But I order a loaded baked potato with no potato. So then they just bring you a bowl of like cheese and sour cream and bacon bits. <laughs> it's really right. great. So it's like that's my little I mix it up and that's my little cup of dessert is like cheese and bacon bits and sour cream. 
Yeah, I got to do that next time. I completely forgot about that until we we're talking. Because Texas um, Roadhouse was one of those places that will not do meat a la carte. You, it's, I mean, yes. like a lot of the bigger, you know, unless you go to a very fancy steakhouse, you're not going to get the meat a la carte without having to pay for the sides as well. So it's just not cheaper. You also can do the salad yes. with no salad. And just um, instead of a salad, they'll bring you a cup of hard boiled eggs. So you right, could do true. that as well. Instead of getting the full salad, you could just get some eggs. With the limited amount of, so we don't have a kitchen in terms of, so we have our stove right now temporarily, but we don't have really a place for our air fryer. We turn it on and then we'll remove it afterward, but we don't have a kitchen sink. So a lot of our cooking is limited. So there was a day, for example, I opened up a can of salmon, had oysters, and then I got some of the avocado mayo and I mixed it up and and then I ate it with pork rinds. Like that was a day of lunch, right? So it's just right now it's very slim pickings and I eat whatever I can. If there's ever leftover meat, that's like what I'm eating. If I'm really busy, I rarely ever eat deli meat. But right now, if the kids have deli meat, like I'm going to eat some of that. But I don't really eat that because I don't feel super satiated. We always have staples of hard boiled eggs or eggs scrambled. Um, And then we have always beef and pork. So I mean, we bought a whole hog from a farmer. And right now, there's a lot still in our freezer because we can't really access our kitchen. But I mean, we'll just cook off a lot of sausages. That's how we've been doing it is we'll use the air fryer, cook off a lot of the sausages or hot dogs from our rancher, and then we'll use that. And then we'll, I'll just cook off a lot and then I'll microwave it for lunch. And so that's how I kind of get by my lunch. Yeah, we do. It's so different too, because you do a lot of meal prep. Like on Sundays, you pretty much pack yes. the kids' lunches for the whole week or at least plan that ahead. You do all your meal prep. Yes. Uh, and then just eat leftovers for the week. Our family eats basically zero leftovers. This week with the we had a whole bunch of pulled pork. That is an absolute rarity that we would actually be eating leftovers. Um, Chris is a stay-at-home dad, and so he has time in his schedule to make himself a fresh grilled lunch every day. If I'm traveling, obviously I'm eating out, but um, when I'm not traveling, he usually says, like, what time do you have a break for lunch? And then I have the tremendous blessing of like him grilling me some kind of lunch every day. Um, but a lot of that is just based on, and and I think too, it's based on our lifestyle, but also I think our lifestyle has become this way because that's what's sustainable for us and important for us. You know, like we definitely have made some adjustments in how we live our life so that we can eat lunch, fresh grilled meat every day and don't have, cause I don't know, to be honest, if I had to eat like you ate, I wouldn't <laughs> stick to this diet. There's no way. I would be like, I would order a pizza instead. And I, I think neither, yeah. I'm not saying Judy's wrong. Absolutely not. But that's what I'm saying is that you can't just eat what somebody else is eating and what you see somebody else eating right. online and think you're going to be successful. Cause I know for a fact that I wouldn't stick, I wouldn't last a week trying to eat the way that Judy was. I would instantly go back to eating junk. Yeah. And I've never been a foodie in my life, right? So my husband, I mean, he said that to you at Thanksgiving. If I ate carnivore the way that you guys did, he may be a lot more carnivore-esque. But the fact that I eat carnivore the way I do, and I, it's almost an afterthought of, okay, I just need to get enough protein and fat in and that I'm satiated. And then I need to go back to work or get the kids or do whatever else. I just fuel so that I can continue life. Whereas Kevin enjoys food and he wants to eat a variety of different things. And wherever he goes, I end up eating ground beef, steak, or... Um, sometimes I order chicken, but I just feel like it's such a waste to order chicken at a restaurant, but I order some type of plain beef and I eat that. And, but he enjoys going to restaurants. So yes, for him too, he would probably enjoy carnivore the way you do it. 
but I've just never been a foodie. And yes, right. it does absolutely taste better when I ate with you guys on um, at that Thanksgiving. And I would have enjoyed eating all of that leftovers. And I think we did for the next week. We ate a lot of that leftover. Because we sent the leftovers all good. home with Judy because our family's <laughs> like, we're not eating that. Go ahead, take it home. Yeah. And I'm such a leftover person. I force our kids. I mean, they didn't really like that chicken from the grocery store. So I put it in their lunch and I don't have to hear it because I'm not with them. And I tell them, if you finish your lunch and you eat all the meat in it, then on Friday, you get one extra special treat of whatever, whatever you want. And it's motivating enough for them to eat that protein. And yeah, that's funny. It, that is another different um, aspect too. Cause I mean, obviously more so now because your kitchen is under construction, but when you're not under construction, you guys eat in restaurants mm-hmm. a lot more. Our family eats in yeah. restaurants, like almost never, maybe twice a month we end up at Fogo de Chao, but that's really, unless I'm obviously I travel. So people that's what's funny. These videos that I make online, everybody acts like you should just eat at home. Like I do eat at home literally every time that I can, unless I'm a thousand miles from my house, I eat at home. Um, it's very rare that we actually go to a restaurant. Like I said, unless it's, you know, going to Fogo for some specific once a month or something. And just, and just as a side note, doesn't that show people that are listening? If you watch Laura's reels, it does seem like if, if I didn't watch any of your content or knew you, right. I would think you eat out all the time. Right. And it just shows you whatever people share as content creators, it's just a subset of their oh, life. Yeah. And the, you know, you could make it seem like all you do is eat out and then share that publicly, but it's, it's not a real depiction of your life. And it's just a side note that I wanted to say, whereas I don't really even show that I eat out a lot. So people wouldn't even know unless I brought it up or we talk about it in this episode or in other cutting against the grain episodes. But yes, Kevin, his number one joy is eating different restaurants, trying a variety of foods. And I mean, him and his friends were natural foodies. They used to eat at those fancy restaurants in LA and they would spend all their, I was about to say waste all their money, but spend all their money at these fine dining restaurants where I'm like, I'm still hungry after. Right. But, and for me, I don't get joy in that. I I like the fact that we're having community and my kids and I, and we're talking as a family and that part I enjoy. And so we make a concerted effort to spend dinner together, but oftentimes uh, we go out and, and this is part of the reason I stopped being strict carnivore. So when I was strict carnivore, it was a a, a big contention for Kevin and I, because he wanted to go, let's say to eat Rudy's. I couldn't eat anything at Rudy's because everything in Rudy's rub has a little bit of sugar or some type of herb or black, black pepper. And so I couldn't eat there. And so it became super limited of where I could eat when I became a little bit looser with carnivore of I'm eating mostly meat occasionally, if there's, I don't know, some coleslaw or something there. And if I can still eat mostly meat, then can I survive? And when I took that mentality, it became so much easier as a family to be cohesive. And so now when we go to restaurants, I often ask, um, and I think I learned this from you too, but I would just get a hamburger with and just get the beef patty and then ask, can I add two or three extra pieces of meat? And uh, normally it's not an issue. There's been a few times where the restaurant has never heard of that. So they charge me for three more hamburgers, which then makes my several hamburger patty like $30. And then I'm, then I tell them I would have just ordered a steak, but yes. So generally if we go out, I stick to either ground beef patties, ground beef, or some type of steak. And then occasionally I may get salmon and then occasionally, occasionally I'll get some chicken, but I always ask if they have real butter and I'll use that once in a while. I'll ask if they have olive oil just so I could get a little bit of fat, extra fat. And then I'll use that too. 
Yeah, that's, and I mean, that's definitely, it depends on the type of restaurant you're going to, how easily and how well they'll accommodate that. You know, there's, and I know too, you guys do Buffalo Wild Wings and places that like we, yes. I intentionally try to go to places that don't use seed oils, but because of my budget, it's just not possible, especially when I'm traveling, I'm going to end up at places that are not perfect. And like, you know, you and I mentioned seed oils aren't great, but the poison is in the dosage. And so if I'm getting some seed oils in from a restaurant occasionally, like I'll be okay. But it is, like you said, it's just so interesting when the, most of the meals that you show, just because, I mean, first of all, you don't show your meals. It's mostly your kids' meals. Um, right. It's they're all at home. And you wouldn't know that yeah. like you actually, your family eats out quite a bit and my family never right. eats out, but that's all people think that I do because of the content right. that I share. I mean, unless you are so it's not a lot of people that are going to watch your stories every single day and, and all your videos versus the number of people that have watched those reels or whatever, but. Right. No. And it's true. I mean, a lot of people just because of the meals, the lunch boxes, they think my kids are carnivore and I make it clear in my content that they're right. not carnivore kids, but because they only see that picture, they think that therefore our kids only eat meat. And it's just not true. Oftentimes for dessert, they're they're eating something that's carby. Just recently, I shared that Aiden's spaghetti had a little bit of gluten-free pasta in it, but then I didn't give him a dessert for that reason. So there's always some amount of carbs. Yes, I've become looser over the years, but I mean, they're still very, very meat-based. But yes, I think it's very easy to pigeonhole people into Laura eats out. <laughs> Judy never eats right. out when it's so not true. Yeah, because really, I mean, most people are not consuming everything that you put out in the context right. of all of it. And it's also like, I don't know, we talked about this before, but this is that response, like, where is the balance? I think you and I both agree when it comes to our kids, we try to remind people often that like they are not strict. They have a balance. We're trying to teach them healthy moderation habits for when they get older. But I also don't post pictures of the stuff that they eat that's not really carnivore or sure. keto because I don't want to trigger somebody. And and I know you feel yeah. the same way about that. So like if we go to a birthday party, I will often mention that they're eating the pizza and cake and then we come home and balance that out. But I'm not going to show a picture of that because I don't want to, I know some people are mentally affected by that. So it's, it's a balance, um, on knowing how to, and what to share for your food purposes. Yeah. I, I do the same as you. I mean, I think it's important to share what all they eat, but I don't think there's a point in sharing, should I have a picture of my kid eating pizza? And the reason I don't is I don't want to glorify that that's okay, right. right? Even though I vocalize my kids eat carbs, my kids eat certain things, and that's okay um, until it isn't. And then I have a talk with my child about it, and I'm very open about it. Every time I get on other podcasts, I share that my kids eat other foods, even if they're kind of crappy. And I do it intentionally to know and let people know that we are not perfect. And my kids, I don't want them to have an eating disorder, but I'm not going to share them in front of a eating a piece of cake because I don't want to glorify that that's okay right. because we already have so many dietitians and moms, et cetera, that are already sharing that all over social media. I don't have to add myself to that list. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I, I mean, it is. And I think we keep talking about the food part of it. And this is where I wanted to talk to you because I know when you like... I, I don't know if some other examples of things that you eat on a regular basis. Um, like when your kitchen was fully working, I know we joke mm -hmm. about the air fryer steak, but that's a huge part of it. I mean, that's like a, almost an everyday <laughs> thing for you is to go put a frozen steak in the air fryer um, and then eat that and have some eggs. Like if you have a full working kitchen, that might be what's you're eating for the week. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm the, no judgment. I, I think that's I, important. No, it's There's fine. A, I'm, I'm proud of it. <laughs> There's a lot of people that eat that way. 
there was, I, I mentioned it to you offline, but there's some fancy chef on YouTube that was sharing all the different ways you can use the air fryer and his meats look delicious. And I was like, see, I need to send this to Laura because clearly <laughs> you can make extravagant meals in the air fryer. Granted, I don't do that, but still you can. So, Well, I do. I love an air fryer tool. for a lot of things. Let me think what I, I use an air fryer. Chicken wings are the really wings. good. Yes. yes. Um, bacon we make in the air fryer. I love hot dogs. I mean, like this is not high class, but like mm-hmm. I take a hot dog and sli- put a little slices on the top so it doesn't explode. And then I put it in the air fryer until it's like almost burnt looking and it's so good. Oh, it's so good. And then I put a bunch of shredded cheese on top of it. It's like my classy hot dog meal. I'm trying to think what else do you, oh, pork belly. I love pork belly in the air fryer. Like I take my, um, oh, right, right, right. there's like a pork butcher shop near here who will give me what he calls chicharron scraps. So it's like meat and fat and, and pork and, and kind of the skin all wrapped into one. And I throw those in the air fryer with some salt. So good. I love that. Um, what else? I said bacon. What else I- do you make in there for? I don't, so I don't ever, I rarely ever cook bacon and pork belly in the air fryer. And the main reason I don't is because I like to save the fat. And I don't know what it is about knowing the temperature on the air fryer versus cooking it on the stove. I guess I think it's a lighter um, temperature. And so I feel comfortable saving the fat through the pan. But when it's on the air fryer, the bottom pan, for some reason, I don't want to save it. So I don't know if it's a psychological thing. So I do not, I rarely ever cook it the pork in the air fryer just because I'm trying to save the fat. I, I mean, I literally cook everything in the air fryer. So I chicken wings comes out well, steak of all kinds. I use sausages as well. It's weird. Kevin does not like the exact way that you talked about the sausages or hot dogs. He hates it through the air fryer. I think it tastes better. Um, our kids do too, but he likes to microwave it and that's how he eats his sausages. Well, it really depends like- on how you grew up. Like if you grew up on boiled hot dogs and then you get these charred, you know, uh, air fryer hot dogs, that's definitely different. I grew up like having hot dogs from the grill or over a campfire. And so for me, maybe this is reminiscent of that like campfire uh-huh. hot dog. But if like in Chicago, when I lived in Chicago, every, all the hot dogs there are like boiled or like ballpark hot dogs are all boiled or steamed. So maybe that's the difference. Oh, I should ask him. It's probably I mean, like an that, LA so, thing, right? He grew up in LA, so it's not like they're going to have char. He probably grew up with like boiled hot dogs. It's possible. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That makes sense. I'll have to ask him. But uh, we've been air frying eggs because there was a period that we didn't even have access to our stove. And what I found, and I'm sure someone's going to tell me I'm doing it wrong, but um, I noticed that the eggs won't peel as well in the air fryer. And so we've just gone back to now that we have access to the stove temporarily, we've gone back to boiling the eggs and they peel better. But when I was when I was using the air fryer to boil the eggs, they're just they would get kind of brown the outside shell. And then it would become really like the the shell felt like it was glued on to the huh. to the outside. And so I just started I got really lazy. <laughs> I just started peeling off the egg whites. And so it was wasteful. I mean, I don't eat parboiled eggs in general, so I'm uh, I'm not one to know what the best way to do that is. But you've been eating more eggs often, right? And then is yeah. It- so ever since we got the griddle, so we got an outside flat top griddle, okay. and now I'm I make all my bacon outside. I can do That's like awesome. two pounds of bacon at once, and then I usually do two batches, so I can do four pounds of bacon in like ten yes. minutes, and it's amazing. That's amazing. And then we'll usually throw some eggs on the end of it as well. So all of a sudden, I would say in the last four years, I've had 
like dozens of eggs, like not a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you eat a dozen eggs a week, for instance, right? right? So like More. I've had a few dozen eggs total in the last four years combined. When in the last couple of weeks, I've probably had more eggs in the last month since buying that griddle than I've had in the last four years combined, just because now I have like a fun new toy to cook on and I want to cook on it that way. No, that's good. I think egg yolks themselves have so, so much nutrition that that's what, that's one of the biggest reasons I put it in my kids' lunches so that if I'm giving them chicken or beef or Um, I mean, I feed most of their fish through fish oils. I know they don't really like a lot of salmon, so that's how I'll do it. Or I'll do canned salmon, mix it with chicken and mix it with mayo and then give it that way. But it's hard when the weather is really warm. I don't want their food to spoil. But if I give them eggs, I don't have to worry as much about the nutrient completion of the beef or the chicken or the pork. And so that's why I honestly have eggs very, very often in their meals. Yeah. So I mentioned, I sent you that podcast from the other day. It was the Joe Rogan podcast with Max Lugavere, who I, it was such a good episode. And if you haven't listened yet, go look up Joe Rogan's episode with him. He talks a lot about preventing dementia and food and low carb. And like, this is a total side note, but he's not carnivore. He actually like, he, I think he's friends with Saladino, which is not a, um, (laughs) doesn't mean mean it's a good thing, but Um, he, so he knows a lot about the carnivore diet. He has some criticisms for the carnivore diet, which I do think is important to like, listen to with an open mind. So I appreciated that insight. But anyway, the point of this is he was mentioning that eggs are just the most nutrient complete, ethically sound food ever. Like even he's like, I don't understand why vegans don't even eat eggs. He was like, because they're not fertilized. They can't become a chicken. Like these chickens are running around your backyard, putting out eggs everywhere. And like, if it's just, it's literally a waste of good protein. If you're not eating eggs, because there's just, it's not a life. It's not an animal life in any way. It's not harming the chickens in any way. They need to make eggs. They are biologically designed to make eggs. And there's just no reason why you shouldn't even from an ethical standpoint, no matter how many you know hoops you want to jump through from the vegan animal harm perspective, um, there's just no reason why you shouldn't be eating eggs. And I thought that was such a good point. And eggs are designed to grow a human. And so like they're the most nutrient yeah. complete way to grow your brain. Like egg yolks are made to grow a brain. And so they're so important for growing and your own personal brain health um, and for kids in general, which is like such a good so it was yes. just such a good takeaway that I got from that. A couple things. So with the vegans, yeah, they, they have so much logic or flawed logic in the way that they won't eat stuff if it ever came from an animal or touched an animal or was part of an animal. With that logic, then they can't eat any other plants that are ha- has a soil that is from an animal, right? You cannot have vegetables without cow dung or some type of fertilizer. And then a lot of the human vaccines we use, there's some type of egg whites in it. So again, I mean, it's just crazy. And yes, I've always valued eggs because of the things that you mentioned. I mean, if you think about steaks or pork or anything, we're eating a part of the animal, but it's not the whole animal. And that's why people always say you should therefore eat the organs, but even organs are missing certain things. Whereas an egg in all the types of forms of eggs, there are it's a complete form. It was going to, it could have possibly become a full animal. So think about the nutrient density from that perspective. That is why also salmon roe is so rich because it's salmon eggs. It's the same thing. If you eat Mm. five salmon roes, little balls, that's five in the future salmon, but you're getting a 
a punch of the nutrients, right? So that's where, I mean, that is why now not everyone can tolerate eggs. And I get that. I mean, obviously always try to eat the egg yolks over the egg whites. But I mean, that's why I honestly give my kids a lot of egg yolks. It's because of that. It's the brain health function. It's complete nutrition. There's, I mean, choline is super rich in eggs. And people will say, well, you could get in beef liver, but there's a lot of toxic stuff in liver too. So my kids eat um, a lot of eggs for that very reason. Yeah, that's interesting. My kids hate eggs and we, we, they still eat them. They know it's egg day Fridays. Like they have to eat eggs on Fridays and it's like, it helps them to know. And then we've also tried different cooking things. Actually, Penelope like would complain about eating eggs for like a number of years. And now all of a sudden she's like back into loving them again. And Nathaniel used to love them and now he's on an out phase, but I don't know. It's just kids go through phases of enjoying different things and and liking different things. And so depending on how they feel about it, we'll do eggs more or less often, but at least that they know breakfast on Fridays is egg day. And like, it really helps lessen any fussing about it because they, it's just part of the routine and they know what to expect. Yeah. And, and honestly, if my kids were getting spoiled, with grilled meats every day. I don't know if they would like the, the eggs, but you know, they get sometimes boring air fried. And by the time they get it, it's overcooked. And, and so they, you know, they, we are very, if you don't eat this, you don't get much else. And again, if it's in their lunchbox, I don't have to hear their complaints. I'll send as much meat as I can, but um, I can see why if I, if I ate the way I did that we did during Thanksgiving with all the, the fancy meats and the tasty meats, I could see, I probably wouldn't eat eggs that much, right? Because how do you flavor an egg that way too? So I, I can see Well, that. that's what I'm excited. So Judy's family is coming to our house this year. So last year for Thanksgiving, we drove halfway and we met up at an Airbnb. And so Chris and I tried to like put on one of our typical meals, but it's hard without your own stuff. And so this right. year they're coming all the way to our house. And so I'm like, told Chris, I was like, I just want to cook every meal for them. But obviously Kevin wants to go out, go out some. So we're gonna have to do a balance. We're like, let me cook one meal a day. And then we'll go out to a restaurant for the second meal a day or just to try new, just to like try new restaurants around here. But it'll be fun. Um, because when, whenever we travel with my parents, I mean, they're pretty much carnivore. I'm carnivore. And then the kids eat mostly meat. Kevin sometimes will be his own person in that way where he wants to go eat something random and so we'll all eat at home and then maybe Caleb and Aiden can have a snack with him wherever he goes, but he'll just go pick up something quick. And so yeah, that's a lot what, of times, I mean, that's what my kids do. They eat dinner and Chris and I don't, um, I mean, sometimes I do, but Chris never eats dinner. So he'll eat enough at lunch and then we all can just go hang out. It'll be fun. I, yeah, either yeah. way, we're excited about it. Yeah. But I'm excited to cook for you like a more variety of stuff that we do. We've been eating, I've been on this like skirt steak and shrimp kick, um, I've been eating that like several times a week now on our new griddle. So I've just been grilling up a bunch of shrimp and then a bunch of skirt steak and almost eating it like fajitas. Okay. Um, so that's been really good. I've been eating tons of that. And then obviously lots of bacon and eggs and wings. I mean, we eat steaks every week, but I spent a really long time um, eating nothing but ribeyes, especially back in the day, like grocery store ribeyes that were on sale, I would stock up. But like for most of 2019, I pretty much just ate ribeyes every day. And, um, it worked for me for a really long time, but I don't think I would, that's also because I was in like, I'm on a diet, I'm going to lose weight mode. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to do something that extreme when you're on this, like, I want to lose weight on a diet mode. And now I really can't eat enough in one sitting anymore to eat like giant ribeyes the way that I used to. And so, and I like multiple kinds of meat, like, oh, I'm excited to make our Parmesan pork stuff for you guys too. Like those Parmesan pork chops and 
Um, your kids are going to love those. I'm so like, we just do such a variety now. I think, I mean, I do, Chris doesn't do nearly the variety that as much variety as I do. Um, but I think also it's because I travel so much and end up having to eat in restaurants so often that when I come home, I just want to like eat at home and eat good meals. Yeah. I think I saw, um, a video or something uh, where you shared like Parmesan pork nuggets or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we used to do Parmesan chicken wings and that was really good too. That is one thing I have not adventured out much. So we either cook, I rarely use the oven and I don't know why I really use the oven, but I cook mostly on our cooktop with um, a pan or an air fry. And then a lot of times during the winter months, I'll make a lot of bone broth. And so we use a lot of bone broth to use the base of the soup and then we use meats. But when it comes to pork, I don't venture out. So I think I don't even know how to cook a pork butt, for example. So, so you could do that in your oven, right? Okay. So the same way that somebody would do that in a smoker, I we just made one recently, but we made it in the smoker at 225 degrees and it takes like 10-ish hours depending. Okay. But before we had a smoker years ago, we used to just do one in the oven and you just put it on a roasting rack, um, like up on a rack on a roasting pan, like okay. you would a turkey. Sure. And you can just put it in the night before and then let it go watch until that internal temperature Um, usually like in the morning you'd put foil over it so it doesn't get too dried out or anything. Okay. Um, and then you, so you'd like the way that you would wrap it in a smoker when it hits like the bark on the outside that you want it to, like when it looks like it's, you know, nice and crispy on the outside, then you're going to wrap it with foil on top. Um, and then after that, you'd let it go until it hits like 203, 204 degrees internal temperature. Same way, then you put it in a cooler or just leave it on your stovetop wrapped in foil for like an hour or two until it like to let it rest and it's going to shred apart perfectly. So the same way that you would have done that in the smoker, we used to do that in the oven all the time. Okay. Yeah. I I think my worry always has been since if my kids don't like the meat, they're not going to eat it. And then it's, and what if it's not that good and I don't like wasting meat? So then do I have to eat, I don't know if it's like 10 pounds of just that. And that's what I have to eat forever. Whereas if a steak is not that good, you just have that one steak and then you could cook another steak and then you can kind of mess it up or you kind of don't. So that I think that's where I get a little overwhelmed. And that's why I stopped making brisket. When I first was carnivore, I used to make brisket and I used to do all these fancy things. And then I got, I guess, kind of lazy where now I just, you know, I'll cook a steak or I'll cook a pork chop in the air fryer and I do it the same exact way as if it's the same exact meat or I'll cook bacon and eggs. And then I just eat that way. And then we'll get the fish through the sardines in the cans or the, the mussels or, but when it comes to really big meats, I think I get overwhelmed a little bit because I'm afraid what if I'm the only one that ends up eating it yes. and I don't want to eat it. Well, the nice thing is about a pork butt or a brisket or something, you could free after it's cooked, then you could freeze it in smaller portions and then just pull it out occasionally. But I mean, if you can believe Chris and I cooked a brisket for the first time ever on Labor Day, like we'd never even cooked a brisket before because I felt the same way that you did. I felt pretty overwhelmed about this is too expensive and I'm going to mess it up. And I had a company that sent us a brisket for free. And I was like, okay, well now, now I can't, if I mess it up, it's not my money, but I'm, I'm definitely the same way where it was too overwhelming to think of cooking a brisket. The thing I'll say about a pork butt or like a whole chicken is they're so easy. Uh, a chicken, the worst that's going to happen is that you dry it out, but like a pork butt is yeah. just so affordable and it's really hard to mess it up. So if you're new to smoking, if you're new to roasting big meats of any kind, I would always recommend starting with a pork butt which are often labeled in a grocery store as a bone, always look for bone in. 
And then they're usually called a picnic roast or a pork shoulder. It's not actually the butt. It's like the shoulder. But um, Costco sells them in a two-pack, but they're boneless. And when I've cooked stuff like that, they have to cut a big slit through half of the meat to take the bone out to make it Mm -hmm. boneless. Well, then you have like this huge flap of meat where then, you know, these two small pieces of meat and then a very large piece of meat. And so anytime I've cooked one of those, half of it ends up getting kind of dried out. So it's a lot easier uh, and more foolproof to do a big bone in pork shoulder or um, pork butt. Yeah. And we like meats with bone in normally because it's just more flavorful around the bone. Right. So yeah, I, I, I like that anyway. But it's really hard. To, I promise that's really hard to mess up. And if you're looking okay. for stuff on a budget and then, you know, what we've been talking about is we ate it fresh, just plain with salt on it. The first day we seasoned it pretty plain. Well, now as I've been eating leftovers, I've been adding some like taco seasonings to it and eating it on these cheese shells. The kids will put sugar-free barbecue sauce on it for another day. You could crack an egg and or mix it up with a bunch of eggs and crisp it up in the air. Like there's so many ways that you can reheat it. If I'm ever cooking a really big piece of meat, I keep the seasonings really simple. So then as I reheat them, they're almost like a brand new fresh meal every time um, because I'm changing up the seasonings and then what I'm eating alongside of it. Yeah. And that, that would probably work well for me since I like to just for lunch, eat something quick. And as long as there's some amount of meat. I'll just eat that all. So yeah, that may, one, I may try one thing Chris said too, is we have this big thing of pulled pork and then we're trying to like microwave a bunch of different stuff for lunch. And so we're doing all these leftovers and stuff. And he's like, this is way more work and way more dishes <laughs> and actually way more time than just grilling something in the first place. Cause he turns the grill on preps his meat. It takes him 10, 15 minutes to grill it. And then dishes wise, you have like the pan that you cook, you know, you carried it in and out of the house from, and there's just so much less dishes. And it actually ends up when like we're microwaving all these dishes or uh, leftovers, it ends up being way more mess and headache for us. So like, even from a time saving perspective, um, because of the schedule that we live, it's easier for us to be able to cook it all fresh. After using the grill, do you have to do this full cleaning or do you just kind of use a brush and then you just move on? I mean, how did, I think that was part of the reason why I didn't want to get it. We had a grill at one point and then it ended up, I think it ended up molding (laughs) or getting, I forgot what, or rusting. I forget what it was. So we were like, okay, maybe it doesn't work in this humidity, but I don't even think it's that. Well, I think it just probably filled up with water. So if you didn't have a cover on it and it rained and it filled up with water, it probably got all mucky inside or something. But with like a traditional gas grill, we just turn it off and we're done. Like that at the end of the grill, we just literally, you turn it off from the tank and then let the burners turn off. Before we use it the next time, we turn the grill on and let it heat up for like 10 minutes. And then Chris will, or I will scrape it after it's heated up. So right before you put the meat on, just give it like a really good scrape with the Mm -hmm. brush, the wire brush that it comes with. And that just kind of knocks off anything from the last time that you cooked it. And then you're also kind of burning anything off. So, um, I would say most people need to do a deep clean on their grill once a season. Like if, if people grill seasonally right about now, so in the fall, when you're kind of done grilling for the year, you need to take all the grates out. You need to scrape the insides and do like a big seasonal deep clean because of how much, I mean, we literally use it every single day. Chris grills on that every day. I would say two or three times a year, he's doing like a deep clean where he scrapes out all the insides and the gunk that builds up and stuff. But okay. You know, we've had this grill now for five years and it still works really well because we 
uh, we take good care of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of time. There's, you know, you don't have to like do anything special with it. Yeah. And I, I always hear that. And I see that on social media when people talk about the grill, but yeah, I, I grew up with my parents using a charcoal grill. And so I guess I just never have been around a gas grill and they had one and then we never really used it as we got older. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. That's why part of the reason that I know a lot of people love the flavor of the charcoal grills and we have one, but we, we rarely use it mainly because it's just a lot of, it's like rather than taking 10 minutes to heat up and get ready, it's like a 45 minute process to let right. it heat up and get ready. And you can't just like walk away from it the same way that you can um, with a gas grill or something. So I think that's helpful, but that's part of the reason, you know, we do a lot of chicken thighs. We do boneless, skinless chicken thighs way more often than like bone in skin on mainly because it's just faster and easier to cook. Mm-hmm. If you have bone in skin on chicken thighs, ooh, those are really good in the air fryer, by the yeah, way. Yeah. That, that's how we cook those. Yeah. I like them that way for sure. Or I'll do a cast iron skillet and the oven, which is a huge mess. I don't know. We try to avoid cooking indoors as much as possible because it's so messy. It's a huge mess, but they taste amazing when you do them that way. Um, But we do a lot of boneless, skinless chicken thighs, mainly because this is another example of something that I can season very different ways. Depending on what we're eating, I love doing like Greek seasoning and tzatziki and having like Greek chicken, or I'll do it with like taco seasoning and have it more like fajita style. So I can change up, you know, how I season those and I get a lot of mileage out of chicken thighs and you have a lot more forgiveness in cooking a chicken thigh, like the temperature variance that you could cook it internally where it still tastes good is a lot wider than like a chicken breast. You go like three degrees over and it tastes completely rubbery and dried out. And I don't, I don't like that anyway, even no matter how much like fat and butter you add to it, it's yeah. just a lot harder to eat them good, which is why we eat a lot of pork too. Cause it's a lot, uh, a lot of pork tenderloin is kind it's of so that nice. like dark meat of the pork. Yeah. It's way more moist. I don't think I've ever bought skinless boneless chicken thighs. So I don't even know how to cook that, but we just normally put in the air fryer. Sometimes if we're cooking a lot, I'll do half air fryer and then half stove. And then I do notice if I use, if I like cover the one that's on the stove, it's a lot more moist than the one that's in the um, air fryer, but, but I should try it. So you're saying that it cooks faster because I, I do think the chicken thighs take forever to cook even in the air fryer. Yeah. That's the problem is that they'll take what 30, 40 minutes in the air fryer for you to cook chicken thighs when on the grill. Yeah. Or the boneless skinless ones are taking less than 10 minutes. What? Okay. Yeah. I should try that. But I mean, then you're not getting the skin so that you're missing a little bit of fat on it, but I'll just eat bacon or I dip most of the time I'm dipping them in some kind of sauce, right? Like if it's Greek style, I'm dipping it in tzatziki, which is like a Greek yogurt sauce, Mm -hmm. cucumber sauce or I'm dipping it in sour cream and cheese if I'm making them like fajita style. So I'm adding a bunch of other stuff to it. Or I'm never eating, like this is the difference. I'm always eating two meats for one meal. So to me, chicken thighs are a side dish to some kind of beef or to some like usually beef. So I'll have a small steak and then I'll have a couple chicken thighs and that's my side dish. So I I treat any kind of chicken like a side. Okay, yeah, same with us. I mean, I rarely eat chicken by itself, but- Sometimes I have to. And then if I do, it's normally, it'll just be the chicken wings and then I'll add a lot of fat, but I rarely ever eat just chicken thighs. It's normally with something else. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that's really good too. I I, I really think to do carnivore long-term, you should eat a variety because all meats have different profiles of nutrition. And I know some people do well with just beef only long-term, but 
just from a nutritional perspective, there are nutrients that are a little more lackluster. I think people can do it. There's stories of people that say they can, but I think if you want to just hedge your bets, it's smarter to add the pork, add the egg. If you can have some salmon, that's great too. But, um, you know, before we go, I, w- I wanted to ask you, so I know you cook in so many ways and uh, you eat so many different types of cuts. What would you say is your least favorite cut and then your least favorite way of cooking? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If you're if you know how to cook to the right internal temperature or you understand cooking techniques and understand meat temperatures, there's really not a lot of bad ways that you can cook. But you can't cook something like a round steak. It's called a steak, but you can't eat it like buy a round steak from a grocery store and expect to eat it like a steak and expect it to be edible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding which cuts are really too lean, like even though it's labeled round steak and it's sitting next to the New York strips in the case, like don't buy that because it's cheap and expect it to actually taste good. Um, so I wouldn't eat something like that. Um, I mean, really fish, this is where I'm the most lacking in my diet is any type of fish. Cause I'm not going to just eat a piece of salmon or eat a piece of, you know, cod or anything like that. Uh, and I'm sure I should have that variety. I like shrimp. I like crab legs, you know, lobster, that, that kind of stuff. Maybe I'll get like mussels in a restaurant occasionally, but I'm really not eating anything other than a shellfish. I'm not eating any kind of like actual swimming fish. Yeah. If, if you don't show signs of omega-3 deficiencies, and I would say the biggest one is maybe dry skin. And I think the other one may be sometimes you're getting leg cramps, but leg cramps can often be because of minerals. But then, I mean, maybe, maybe you're okay. I mean, there's, the only way that I would know for sure, um, because most times my clients have the symptomology for it. And so that's why they get on it if they're not willing to eat sardines or salmon, but otherwise it's like doing a blood test, which, I mean, you don't seem like you have deficiencies. Like I know you in person and your skin is pretty good. (laughs) What kind of fats are you cooking with most of the time? Um, and I know you use butter, but like what other kind of fats do you usually cook with? Yeah, I rarely cook with butter. Um, but we, so ever since buying the hog, we have so much lard. So we are primarily using lard. There was a period where we didn't have a lot of animal fat. So there was a period I was using avocado oil just because the high temp of the avocado oil. We don't buy avocado oil anymore, especially after learning that a lot of it is cut with seed oils. I would say lard and tallow are the biggest ones we cook with. Once in a while now, if we don't have a fat, we'll use butter, but it's rare. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I, I put butter usually on top of my meals more just from like a flavor perspective, but then, um, you know, we have this new griddle that we got recently and you have to season it for the first time without using animal fats because Mm -hmm. it will go rancid pretty quickly unless you're using it every single day. And so we used avocado oil to season it for the very first time. And then also, um, so now though, I usually just like cook bacon first and then I'll cook something else on top of it. Or we use ghee on the, um, on the griddle as well, before I like throw some, some meat down, I'll put some ghee on top of it. Yeah. Ghee's good too. Our kids and Kevin, they don't like the flavor of ghee. There's that. It, there is, there, <laughs> there's like that weird, like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it either, but it is definitely like a weird aftertaste, which yeah. is why it's, unless I'm doing the griddle, like I used to cook eggs and stuff in it. I don't like eggs cooked yeah. in ghee at all. I would prefer them cooked in butter or, or tallow of some kind, but 
Um, and then a lot of times, like I'll throw ghee down on the griddle just to like, so the meat doesn't stick. Okay. And then after that, I will throw butter on it the last second okay. just to give it the flavor of the butter, but it's not actually cooking the entire time in the butter. Cause the butter will burn. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. What, what would you say? I know you don't eat out often, but what would you, where would you say, um, especially making all those reels, where would you say is your favorite beef patty restaurant, like to get your beef patties? And then what would you say is your favorite restaurant to eat out excluding uh, Buffalo Wild Wings because of the chicken wings? I mean, I can't, I would say In-N-Out is by far the best patties. I always hate saying that because it's not a national chain, but like I Mm -hmm. went there, um, I go there as much as I can. So they're definitely the best tasting patties. And then after that, which you said I'm not allowed, but I don't care. Buffalo Wild Wings burger patties are the most (laughs) underrated patties their burger patties are just so underrated. They're so, so good. Yes. Um, I mean, I went to most of those restaurants I went to just so I could film an example of how you could eat them. And I picked restaurants that are main chain restaurants because that's what is going to be accessible for most people throughout the country. But I'm not eating at Applebee's on a carnivore diet. Like literally I did it once for that video. Um, just to show people it's possible. It was kind of my goal behind it. But I would say like a Mexican restaurant, I really love to, for when I'm traveling a lot to Texas now for my job, I end up at a lot of Mexican restaurants and just ordering, can I have sides of meat? They're really great about just giving you like four ounces of steak, four ounces of chicken, four ounces of carnitas, and then just charging you all cart for those. Most Mexican restaurants are really good about that. And then I get to add cheese and sour cream. And it just, again, I end up with like four different meats on my plate. Uh, and it's pretty tasty and probably the most affordable. So if you're not really sure where to go, like try a Mexican restaurant um, in your area. Yeah, we uh, we go to a Mexican restaurant a lot just because Kevin likes it so much. And so I'll get their, I'll do a mix. So I'll do like their fajitas and then, um, and I'll just get the tacos and I'll say, I just want the meat. And then I'll do their breakfast tacos. So then their breakfast tacos and you could pick which, whatever you want, but oh, I always yeah, get it with idea. yeah eggs, bacon and cheese. And, and so it becomes really filling. I'll order like five or six tacos and then I'll just eat the meat. The kids will order probably close or maybe a little bit less than me, but then they'll just have one of the tacos and then the rest will, they'll just pile on all that meat. And so that's the yeah. balance for them. Um, so for the beef patties, um, I, I don't think In-N-Out is that good. I mean, I know Kevin loves it. I know you love it. Blasphemy. But In-N-Out is only good if you get the cheese. If you eat In-N-Out without the cheese, I do not think it's that good. I I personally like Burger King's beef patties because they're charboiled. But um, the other day we had McDonald's beef patties and... Oh my gosh, I hate... They're so bad. They're They're so so bad. bad. I cannot... I, 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 I literally was like did you really want to eat this kind of like, it's so gross. Um, yeah. It's so bad. I can't yeah, do it. It tasted like it was, and granted the meat was cold and we had just got it. And I asked and it tasted like they were boiled, boiled, <laughs> boiled. Concrete. Yeah. They're so bad. I need to try Burger King and give it a solid chance. Cause I don't, I've done it once or twice before, but I, I think actually for a video, maybe I did it, but I haven't like done it enough mainly cause I'm just not, I'm going to go to in and out or I'm going to go. Yeah. To, try it. Uh, try it without, things. I, I don't know if I've ever tried it with the cheese. I can't remember because it's been a while that since I've eaten there. But every time you eat it with just, you taste the charbroiled fav- flavor. Yeah, and maybe because I never grill, it tastes extra good to me. <laughs> I remember that now. I do. I think I filmed the video when I was in Vegas for that one. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, I honestly, I could talk about food all the time. I'm actually late to a meeting for work. And so I have to go. <laughs> but um, if you guys like, this is very different. Obviously, this is more just Judy and I rambling about food, which we pretty much do all the time <laughs> in person anyway. So if you liked it, let us know what you think uh, or any other topics that you'd like to hear. But we appreciate your guys' support. Uh, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Cut against the grain.